0: And so I actually ended up dropping out of high school
1: not once, but twice. I never graduated. And while all my friends were off to college, I was living with my parents, gaining up to 16 hours a day in their basement. I remember I was, I was drunk when they handed me my son in the hospital. They didn't know I was drunk. I worked with people who could stay abstinent from crack cocaine. And then they went back to prison because they could not stay abstinent from marijuana.
0: They will send inappropriate pictures, primarily of their body parts. Our teens will send back their naked pictures or partially naked pictures.
1: I had overdosed in eighth grade. I think that was shortly after I was suspended.
0: Our teens are going through their hardest life transition in a world of rapid change and information anarchy. These are their stories and the advice from experts dedicated to helping them. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. I have not had the opportunity. I haven't taken the opportunity, and I don't know if I will be presented with one, to actually sit and talk to my ex-wife about what it was like to be with me when I was using. My daughter is too young to remember. And if she remembers, I'm sure she might remember fun things and and me being there. But I was there a lot because I didn't have a job or I was in between jobs yet again. I do know that my daughter remembers um, fishing with me. Uh, I would pick her up from her kindergarten her preschool and we would go fishing and she remembers that as good daddy daughter time but what she doesn't know is that I was hoping that I could eat because at that point I was living in the back of my truck there is a whole group of people who are victimized by people who are struggling and addicts people with mental illness People who are just struggling with their life. They get so focused on themselves. And even in their recovery, and I've said often that recovery is as selfish as addiction. But throughout addiction and throughout recovery, throughout that struggle, there are victims and they are family members. And it's really hard as an addict in recovery to then start to consider what you did and i remember a kid in our facility many many years ago who said very bluntly i can handle what i'm doing to myself but i can't handle what i'm putting my family through when an addict can't handle something they shut it out or they drink it down or they smoke it away my guest today is the wife of one of my other guests, Doug. Doug was interviewed by me on uh, the MJ Madness series. He's the author of the book. That's why they call it Dope. And his wife, Erin, wrote me after the show. And very eloquently said, what about me? I want to talk. I want to say something. I want to talk about this. I want to talk about what it's like to live with someone who smoked pot like that for that long. And I'm so grateful because she's going to give voice to people who don't feel like they can stand up and say, hey, this affected me too. And they don't feel like they can say that because they're afraid that it'll cause too much pressure or too much stress or too much anguish and that will send the recovering addict right back welcome to beyond risk and back my guest today is aaron marar aaron thank you so so much for being here i'm so grateful for your email um this i was you wrote it and i was like oh my god yes (laughs) <laughs> a voice, a voice in the darkness. So thank you, thank you, thank you.
1: Absolutely, Erin. I, I appreciate um, the opportunity. And um, I'm really just believing that, um, you know, stories, testimonies are powerful. And they uh, they tell something that facts can't really express. And that's, that's the heart and the emotion and the pain that's involved. And also the hope, the hope, too. So um, I appreciate you having me. Thank
0: you. you you know you've come right out of the gate saying something pretty profound especially around the marijuana argument um, about whether it's addictive or not or whether it's um medicinal or not or whether it's you know healthy or not and you've just come out and said you know that there's something beyond the facts talk about that for a second
1: yeah you know honestly uh i would have never signed up for this position in in this place um you know, I had a I had a high school where I um, you know, was a probably typical high school kid and fooled around with alcohol and, and tried weed and all that. But um I I really don't know a lot of facts about marijuana. I mean I know some because I've had to um I'm helping Doug a little bit with his book and just to inform myself but um but what I do know is um the main effect that marijuana has had. Um, I, Doug and I've been married for 22 years. We'll be 23 in May. We have three um, amazing kids, but and he used for um, for 20 plus years of our marriage um, regularly. Um, but the the main point that he, that uh, or I'm sorry, the main area that marijuana affected our family was interpersonally relationally, and you know I heard you talking about uh, when you were talking about fishing with your with your daughter um, you know doug doug was there doug was physically there he went to all the soccer games he um was home for dinner every night uh you know he he um i mean he took care of the household things he was physically there, but because weed affects um i call it the heart again it may be you know there's there's some things about it affects your your mind and all that but it it comes through the heart because he was so incapacitated to connect emotionally and to um be a a place of safety for our family and our kids and you know let me just say this up front Aaron. this this was hard for doug to let me do this show (laughs) Because, um, as you can imagine, there's a lot of regret and a lot of guilt that he has. But um, what I told him was, you know what? He is a completely different person now. He's had a spiritual transformation. And he's also really just saw the light, I guess, with with what Weed was doing to his life and our family. And so I, I really said, you know what? I'm not really telling on you, though I am, and you made choices. I'm really telling on... Uh, the deception of weed because it really it was you but it wasn't you, and um, and that's really what I want to focus on. And I want to say this up front too that that uh, you know I listened to your first podcast and when you were talking about the uh, all the practitioners and the teachers are really struggling now with you know it used to be called I might not quote you perfectly but it was the devil's weed. And now everybody thinks it's going to save the world. And where's the middle ground? You know, and it's funny that you said that because I had never heard it called the devil's weed because I just wasn't in that world. But one of the main attributes of a devil, of the devil, if you believe in him, is deception. And he appears as an angel of light, but really behind him is a lot of destruction and a lot of damage and a lot of death. And what marijuana does to a person, and let me just speak from my own experience, what it did to Doug was it fooled him to think that he was a good husband. It fooled him to think that he was a good parent because he was present. He did go to the soccer games. He did sit at the table. But the deception was his heart was not connecting with anybody, you know, and so his kids. I mean, when you're young, you you don't, you know, as an adult, I'm able to process like so long, Aaron, I thought that Doug was just an emotionally wounded guy. You know, he, he grew up in a relatively normal home, but, but there was some uh, lack of affirmation that he didn't receive. And, and, uh, and I think he's still, you know, working through that, but, but um, I'm an adult and I'm able to sort of. Um, seek my wholeness somewhere else. And so I was able to look at Doug's isolation from the family emotionally, and just sort of non empathetic with his kids and all these different things. And I was able to look at that and say, you know, he's hurt and hurt people hurt other people. And I didn't take it personally. So honestly, I was able, I I don't really feel like a victim. I mean, my marriage has not been what I wanted it to be by far. But, um, but my kids were not, our kids were not, and, um, they weren't able to process what he was doing and say, oh, he's acting like that. And even still, I have a 15 and a 16 year old and a 21 year old. And, um, man, there's a lot of, there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of feeling of, of, um, like, like, where were you? And, um. So, you know, I could go on and on, but, but for me, how did marijuana affect our family? Yes, it affected us financially. We've had a lot of struggles. Our family has bailed us out. Doug, Doug, Doug had a good job. Um, he's been in medical sales. But because of the weed, anytime any, you know, difficulty happened at work, he changed jobs. So my oldest child, our oldest child changed schools six times within uh about seven years eight years
0: let me let me ask you this and let me ask you this um did doug keep it a secret from you were were there were there secrets was he hiding it from you was he sneaking around by was he did you ever find it Talk, talk about the was was there secrets or was he very much honest and open with it
1: oh my goodness no he was completely uh living a double life I mean, we, we've talked about this. I would have never married him if I would have known he was smoking weed and uh, he, he kept it for me for 16 and a half years, which is amazing because (laughs) again, I kept, so, so let me tell you sort of the atmosphere of our home. If I had been educated about weed and the side effects emotionally, I might've picked up on it, but because. I just thought he was this emotionally wounded guy that was just so difficult. Um, you've used, you've uh,
0: used emotionally wounded a couple of times. Like, like talk about what you mean by that. What, it, what, what do you mean you emotionally know, wounded?
1: Okay. I, I mean, I mean, um, you know, we were all created. I feel like to know that we're loved and we're valued. We're seen. We have purpose. And um you know for 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 reasons that I don't really want to go into that's Doug's journey he 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 missed he didn't get that and so so he just um I think he was what, you know you asked him on the show what what pain were you running from you know to smoke for 35 years and you know he said something about you know his vocation and not being fulfilled and stuff and you know that 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 might have been part of it. I I think he started out as fun, but I think that um, just like all of us, we all we all have hurts and wounds, and when we don't know how to process them, Doug is a super in, uh, sensitive and passionate guy, and um, you know we jokingly say he's the woman in the relationship because he's just super tender, and I'm I'm a, I'm super strong. And and our personalities are, you know, not the typical male, female, but he internalizes a lot of things. And I think he had some hurts and wounds. And I think that, that, uh, that he didn't want to deal with it. And, and so when I say emotionally wounded, I just mean he didn't, he, he had some, uh, issues of lack of affirmation. He didn't feel worth worthy and worth something, you know, but when he, but when he was smoking, he, he called it his personality and bag, you know, he felt great felt like oh okay i i'm not as i'm not as uh much of a loser as i thought i was you know
0: looking um, back looking back what are the what are the signs that you see now that you missed then whether it was the emotional stuff or like yeah. at, at any point did you go man there, there's something going on but i can't put my finger on it
1: i cannot tell you how many times i've said that i i I've said that my little inner circle of support system, my family and some close friends, I would say there is something like, I, I thought he had this deep dark secret, like literally like, I don't know, i not, he killed somebody, but I, I thought he just did this horrible thing and he just was just living under this guilt all the while, not knowing that he was smoking every single day. Um, the, the, the things there, there's, there's probably two areas that, that I became educated in that really helped me. The first was the physical, like literally I'm 50. So I, I kind of have the cheat and Chong idea of somebody smoking weed and they're just like, literally can't talk, can't walk. And they're just, you know, in another world. And, um, clearly Doug wasn't that way. And so I, I just, I didn't even consider that he was high. Um, the one little area of physical that I learned was, was just about the pupils being dilated. I mean, that was so simple for me, but once it was exposed that I found out that he'd been smoking, um, I literally started looking at that on a regular basis. Um, and then I also just started educating myself on the emotional side effects. You know, that, uh, he was always, um, he was very, his, his emotional stability was just fluctuating. He, he, he was never, um, even keel, you know, um, there was a lot of volatility like slamming doors and, and, uh, you know, strings of cuss words that my kids would just run for cover in their room. And and again, I'm like, God, what is the world? And so what I'm, I mean, that's all completely gone. He's only been Uh, clean for a year. He's only been clean for a year. And and I guess that I get,
0: I guess that's where, where my question comes from is how do you know that this is related to marijuana?
1: Because he has only been clean for a year and he is a completely, um, it has not happened one time, not one time. And he's still on his, Journey emotionally to sort of, of address the why of why he was smoking. So those things are still in process, but all of the uh, you know irritability, the the isolation, the the um, slamming doors and all that—that that, it literally disappeared. Literally, at, well, I shouldn't say overnight. It was you know he shared with me it's a 30 day thing in your body, but sure. once we passed that it was gone it was completely gone
0: what do you what do you you do with your resentment of this i mean and and you know i i really heard what you what you said earlier about not wanting to tell on doug and uh this this part's hard and so i just want to say that if if I had Doug on the phone, and I know he's going to to listen to this, and I, and I hope he does because he and, he and I had a great connection when we spoke, and, and as one recovering addict to another, I have, I'm coming up on 20 years sobriety, marijuana was my drug of choice, and I want to say to Doug, this is the hard part. This is the part where you steal yourself And take a look at the damage that you cause, and let it make you a better person and not send you Mm -hmm. back. And so now that I've sent that message to Doug, I want to say, what do you do with your resentment of of having your husband not being honest with you? And and that there are financial anomalies that never quite Mm -hmm. got explained um, honestly. What are you doing with your resentment? How does your healing look? And, and and are you resentful or are you compassionate because he's, he was struggling with a lot of pain and was medicating and it was causing more damage than good. Like, like, how do you see this?
1: You know, maybe I would have been compassionate in the beginning, but when it goes for so long, um, my compassion completely, uh, dissipated. Um, you know, I think the forgiveness part is, is completely separate from, um, from Doug. And, you know, you may have heard this, uh, this phrase, but, you know, unforgiveness is, is really only detrimental to the person who, who holds it. And, uh, it's like being poisoned and expecting the other person to die. And, you know, uh, I I have a deep faith in God and and I know that, um, I have, I have been forgiven of much. And so my, my spiritual journey really, is what empowered me to forgive him. It was certainly a process. Um, But, but I did forgive him. um, And I wholeheartedly, however, um, forgiveness and um, a change of life are two different things. And so though I forgave him, I did absolutely um, establish certain requirements of, 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 of a life change or else, um, our marriage would not work.
0: What and were these so, requirements? Um, so what, can I ask what these were? What did yeah. you, what were the, Yeah. Lines well, you I mean,
1: obviously the weed is gone completely, like not a zero tolerance. There is, there is no weed. That was the first. Um, the second was, um, he lived an isolated life for so long. It life was about Doug and about Doug only. And, um, and that's what, that's what, you know, that's what addicts do. I mean, it, that, that's what it is. But even though the weed was gone, it, he, it, he was a little slow to step out and kind of connect. And particularly with other men, you know, healthy men, people who were in good places in their lives, you know, spiritually, emotionally, social. I mean, with their families and all that. And so that was a requirement. I, th- I said, you know, I have to see that you are pursuing emotional health and spiritual health as passionately as you pursue your physical health because he's, you know, he's a real adamant biker and he's, he's real, you know, all into that. And he's been, always been really good about that. But the emotional component and the spiritual component about intentionally, purposely seeking out um, wholeness and, and, and health. Um, I had to require that. And so, I mean, for us, you know, it may look different for everybody, but for me, it was, um, that he, he, he got involved in, in some sort of men's group where he began to tell his story and, and share with them the, 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 hard truth. Um, it also meant, you know, that spiritually we're involved in a church together and we're, we're pursuing a relationship with God together. um, and also, it meant taking responsibility um, for the pain that he's caused. You know, part of this whole thing that, that's so frustrating with weed is that it's so deceiving that they can't see what, they, what they're what they doing and what they've done. And even I joked with Doug on the show, he, he made a comment to you. He was talking about that his biggest regret was, was with his children. But then at the end, he said something about You know, I lied to my wife and it cuts deep, but you know, I was a pretty good husband. And I, I, I pulled him aside the other day. I said, honey, how are you a good husband? I mean, you came home and brought a paycheck, but you were in another world. You couldn't be. And he's like, he loves to keep going back to the title of the book. Well, that's why they call it dope, Aaron, because you think you were because you didn't sleep with another woman and then you didn't do all these things. But emotionally, And, and just, you know, financially, everything, he, he wasn't able to be his best, he just wasn't. And, uh, so, so the requirements for me are the, are those, but, you know, I'll be honest, Aaron, he was, he was at that point anyway. Um, he kind of came to it on his own that he was, um, 50 years old and he didn't have much to show for his life and his family.
0: Now that's a, that's yeah. a hard, that's a hard piece for, for addicts when you, when, and, and there's a, there's a process to overcome that, but the process is counterintuitive to the makeup time. Like, like it, I was 28 when I finally woke up and said, Oh my mm-hmm. God like like what have i done the damage mm-hmm. i've caused to my family my child um my my community my my own self esteem my health what what a lot of people don't know i take hormone injections uh weekly because of how much damage mm-hmm. i did to my body with uh uh marijuana um i'm i'm on a ton of supplements because i fried my brain out and have to keep my brain operating uh at, at, you know try to keep it operating. <laughs> that's, that's, right. so, so there's this, there's this idea where you suddenly wake up and go, I've got 30 years to make up for, but you can't do that except for one day at a time. And that's a t- tremendous amount of pressure to say, and I watch kids go through it. They finally, they, they come out of our facility. The parents go, great. I'm so glad you're doing so well. Now we got to get you back into school and you got to get caught up on that math class that you failed for two years in a row. And you got to start thinking about college because you're a junior and you got to,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: the person in recovery is just starting to figure out how to get through the next five minutes without using and suddenly we got to think about college. We got to think about our kids. We got to think about our marriage. We got to think about our work. We got to think about, and we're not good at thinking about a lot of things. In fact, I had 14 years of trying to avoid as much thinking and doing as possible. And yeah. it's, it's, it's a tough part. Let me, let me ask you, Aaron, had this been another woman or another man would you have been this forgiving? Would you have stayed the course with your husband and asked for these boundaries and uh, stepped into this work? And if not, what was it that's different?
1: hmm. Um. Gosh. You know. I hope I never have to cross that one. But um. If you know, I. I don't know. Again, Erin, I. Uh, I know this is not a a spiritual show or religious show, but, you know, for me um, everything that I believe and walk out comes from my relationship with God and, and, and the God that I know is a God of grace and forgiveness. And so, um, but again, there's a difference between forgiveness and and restoration. And so I can, you know, it depend it would, it would depend on Doug's heart. It would depend on whether or not I could tell like, I made a, a, such a horrible decision and, and I'm so sorry, but this is the direction I'm going. I'm turning my life this way. And, and if I, you know, cause he would come to me even after this whole, you know, it was exposed and, and he literally said to me, give me a list. I, I can tell you I'm not going back. Give me a list of what you want me to do. And I'm, I was still very much in my anger. And I said, no, I'm not giving you a list. I said, I said, if it's real in your life, then I will be able to see the fruit of what's in, of what's in your life. I'm not telling you do this, do this, do this, because he used to do that when he would smoke weed, he'd he'd be like, okay, what do I need to do to be able to go have my free time, you know, kind of thing. And so I thought I'm not doing that again, you know? And so, um, so, you know, w- would I forgive him? I would absolutely forgive him because uh, I've been forgiven. But would, would our marriage be, uh, still together and restored? It, it would, it would depend on if, if he was making a, a life change, you know?
0: I got a, I got I a know. tough one for you. Um, and, and this is a tough one. Uh, it's, it's tough for parents to answer. It's tough for spouses to answer. It's tough for exes to answer. But I believe okay. within this answer, we find some of our greatest truths about ourselves. Um. How did you enable this behavior
1: oh hundred percent hundred percent um because I believe so much in unconditional love that that's a healing force um I thought if I just love him enough and and you know then then he will all these emotional wounds will be healed, like unconditional love you know will just heal him but but there were two things that i looking back. Um, one is I misdefined love because I was thinking love was just acceptance and positive affirmation and, and I believe in you and you're wonderful and support because, because he had kind of a self-critical nature and he just felt like he never matched up, you know? So I thought, okay, I'm going to be the biggest cheerleader, but that's not the full definition of love. Love speaks the truth and, and love corrects and love love confronts and and love. When you see someone going off a cliff, love says, stop, you're about to fall off the cliff. Well, he was falling off the cliff so many times with our kids. And I did confront him so many times. I can't tell you the number of times I walked into his office and he was holding a picture of one of our kids crying. And I'd say, what's what, what? And he'd be like, I don't have any relationship with my kids. And I'd be like, didn't do something about it. Here, here's a book. Let's go to a parenting conference. Blah, 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 blah. But he never did because clearly he was smoking and that was his, you know, that was his life. Um, but, um, I, I definitely enabled by not confronting because of what you said earlier. There were many times I confront about his behavior, Aaron, um, many times. But what would happen was um, he would get real, just like you said, real, real defensive, real um, like um, maybe tell me I'm judgmental or something and I can't ever do anything right and this and this. And then it never produced a change. It just never did anything. So after a while, you just sort of give up. You're just like, OK, well, been there, done that. That didn't work. You know, he's I mean, so you just you just sort of. He just sort of lived with it. You know, if I, if I could go back all over again, I've thought about this many times, the first time I caught Doug smoking. Okay. So he lied to me for 16 years, but there were two incidents within 16 years that I caught him smoking. Okay. I caught him six months after we got married and then I caught him about five years later, maybe something like that. If the six months when I caught him. Honestly, I should have said, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't sign up for this. And, you know, I did, I called my parents and everything. I, I mean, I was devastated um, because that was so not in my world, but, um, but he just lied to me and he said, okay, I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. And then he just hit it so well. I, I thought it was done. I thought it was over, you know? Um, but looking back, um, how did I enable, I, I just did not confront because I thought it would hurt him and I did not set up healthy boundaries. Let me just um, insert this. Honestly, my Bible that has changed the course, that has changed our relationship and really brought this to a head is a book. um, I don't know if you've heard of it by Henry Cloud, who's a psychologist, Boundaries. It's called Boundaries. It's a bestseller, but um, yeah, yeah. And so that, that empowered me to know that setting boundaries was a good thing a healthy thing a loving thing even though it caused Doug's life to sort of start spiraling and he got mad at me and all these things you know before we kind of had the the turnaround um it empowered me to know that that this is this is a good thing this is a healthy thing
0: what are you and Doug uh, how do you guys talk to the children about this, about the stress that you guys are going through and the the anxious nature around the recovery? And in the past year, how have you guys brought the children in on this process?
1: Well, you know, they're 15, 16, and 21. My oldest is out of the house now. Um, and, you know, all kids, all the children are different. So they all process things and respond differently. But, you know, when they when they're 15 and 16 i mean they know what's going on you know whether or not they can articulate it and you know they're not they come to us um they know what's going on and so we've had multiple family conversations uh you know that i initiated and said okay we're going to talk about this this is what's going on this is where dad is and there was a time where uh the first time we talked and then there was then he was you know this was years ago, clean for a while, then he fell again. And, and then we had another family conversation. I wasn't sure if, I mean, I had to be real honest. I was like, listen, I don't know if our marriage is going to work or not. So this is where we are. And, uh, you know, it's, it is very difficult. So this is the hard and ugly part that I really, you know, those, those pot smoking parents that you refer to that got so mad at you about the first comp, uh, first program, (laughs) um, those are the people that I just want to um, say come talk to my kids okay come talk to my kids and um, or better yet talk to your kids and ask them what what is do you like the relationship that we have and uh, what do you think about dad or mom what do you think about my smoking and because I guarantee you it's very different than what what the parent thinks you know Uh, one of my kids is one of our kids is extremely angry extremely angry and um and and so we're walking through that um the other one is is sort of just you know um i think trying to regain respect for Doug, you know that's a huge one there's there's just been no respect and 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 so you know he said in the first program or when he talked he said you know he didn't take part in in most of the parenting. And I said, honey, you didn't take part in any of the parenting. I had to be the mom and the dad because um, you, you just didn't engage. Again, he had shame, he had guilt, and uh, he knew he was a hypocrite, you know, at, the, at that point. And so, you know, one of the most powerful things that this might be a little off subject, but I just want to make sure we get this in, um, Aaron, is that, when I was deciding whether or not our, uh, you know, I was going to stay with him and just all these different things. This one of the, the Henry cloud book boundaries, he talks about this, uh, not experiment, but this exercise called play the movie. And what he encourages these people encourages you to do is to whatever situation you're in, that you're finding it hard to make a change, Make an ending or whatever. Sit there for a few minutes and begin playing the movie out. If you if you don't make a change, let's play the movie forward. And so I did that in my own life, and I made Doug do it and say, "Okay, let's play the movie. You you you're going to keep smoking pot, okay? Your kids are 15, 14, 16, or this was a couple of years ago, but what is your relationship going to look like with your kids when they're 20 and 30 and have families?" And they want to come hang out. Are they going to come to your house? Are they going to want to have a relationship with you? Are they going to want to have their kid, their grandkids hang out with you? Play it out. Sit there. You're sitting there and they want to say, we want to come over. Oh, is dad home? Mm, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, mom, I'll come by later when dad's, um, you know, on a bike ride or this or that. And it is, it's a powerful exercise because it makes you walk into those emotions that are probably uh, a very realistic picture of what's going to happen. And, um, I encourage those, uh, pot smoking parents particularly to do that, to play the movie of what is their relationship like with their kids going to be, um, you know, and, and also begin to ask themselves questions. You know, the whole thing about people, when people say weed is harmless, um, And, and I actually looked up the word harmless. I'm like, I hear that so often, what does harmless mean? And it's, you know, it's pretty clear having no negative side effects, benign, all these things. And, and I think what I start, started responding to these people is that, um, it's kind of like, this is a silly example, but it's just a good word picture. You know, you go to the dentist and you get your mouth numb and you get two or three shots and then you can't feel your tongue, you can't feel anything, you can't chew, drink, all these things, but it doesn't affect your arms. Right? I mean, the, the, the numbness doesn't affect your arms because that's not where the shot was given. And I think so many people who were the, you know, on board with the, yay, there's nothing wrong with weed. It's harmless. Yeah. It's harmless, um, for you to do some functions for you to possibly make your breakfast. And for you to, you know, mow the yard and for you to do some harmless things. Yeah, your arms are still free, but your heart is numb and your heart is, is not engaged with those who are you, who you're in closest relationship to. And so don't fool yourself in thinking that it's harmless to those relationships because it's that's a complete lie. It just, you know. it it, it is harming your relationships.
0: Aaron, what's going to be your response when people listen to this podcast or don't listen to this podcast and say, you know, you're nagging, you're a crazy Christian, you're, you know, blaming the devil. You're,
1: uh,
0: you know, what, what, what's, what's going to be your response for, for, for the, people who are saying you're embellishing for the sake of forwarding the government conspiracy of prohibition or whatever the hell they're going <laughs> to
1: say yeah. about this. Yeah. You know what, Aaron? I mean, honestly, as with anything, I can't convince anybody that's something that they want to believe, you know, and uh, they, if they want to believe it, that, that there's nothing wrong with it, then, then they're going to do it. Um <laughs> I just feel like it's kind of like you, you said you, you you feel like the pot industry is, or marijuana industry is, is uh, forget the wording, but something about writing the pages right out of the um, cigarette industry. Yeah. You know, they're, they're just yeah. sort of following their lead. And, you know, they, they have that ad out there um, of the woman on TV with the cigarettes and she can't talk, her throat, and, you know, all these different things of that, how cigarettes have, you know, just destroyed her life. And, um, you know, all I can tell you is, is my story. And, um, I wish they would come interview my kids. That's really all I could tell you See, because my kids don't have anything to gain. What do I have to gain? I don't have anything to gain. I'm not trying to proselytize anybody. I'm just saying that I'm just telling you that, that weed, has stolen so much of our lives and um and you're you know you're just believing a, a lie i mean I, I have a family member that 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 i get in these conversations with constantly and and it's because especially in colorado it has become so norm that it they just they don't think there's anything there's nothing harmful about it you know and, you know, it's, it, I guess it's like anything, Erin, you have to want to change. It's like you have to want to change. You have to want to know the truth. You have to value things. But one thing I will I will tell you, this was about five years ago, um, that had a really big, big impact on Doug is, is, um, you know, he started thinking more long term. And that's a whole other story how that came into play. But really, it was about playing the movie and um and it was about looking at the end of his life you know there was this guy who's um you know he's not a he's not a, a preacher he's just he wrote this book i forgot his name but he's just talking about purpose in life and he said picture yourself at your funeral and what do you want your kids to say about you at your funeral what do you want those closest to you to say about your life about your how you your relationships And then begin living your life backwards from that place. And that was a really powerful exercise because at least it began him thinking long-term because pot smokers typically are only thinking short-term. I don't feel like dealing with today. Let me get high or let's go have a good time. Let me, you know, let me get high. But, but they don't think long-term and, and, um, you know, it's kind of foolish to not think long-term um, and, and just live in the moment.
0: Aaron, what are you going to, what are you going to do with this? Like, I, here's what I want to say. And and this is, this is us wrapping up this call. And I, I have a feeling that you could talk about this for months. This, this is big. <laughs> I I hear the passion in your voice. I hear the clarity of your mind. You're, you're communicating very beautifully and very eloquently I'm sure there's a ton of wives and husbands out there,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Christian and not Christian, who are feeling and hearing and saying yes to everything that you're saying. And it would be a shame, and this is just my opinion, it would be a shame yeah. if you talking about this like this stopped here with this podcast. So I want to know, what are you going to do with this? How are, how are you going to take this message? Mm-hmm.
1: You know, like I said, I never would have signed up for this, uh, pot. But um it, it's really beyond pot. You know, it, it is a it is about weed because it's such a just insanity right now, especially in Colorado. And I think one of the best things to do is take your paint and make it make it uh put some purpose into it and use it to help others. So however that looks, whether it's um, you know, speaking at, at schools or, you know, like with Doug, with his book, but, um, I am, I'm, go- I'm going to share, I'm going to, just going to share our story as, as often as I can. Um, but, uh, more than that, Aaron, I feel like, you know what, cause these kids, that's my heart is kids. Cause Doug and I talk like, man, if he would have known the things that he knows now at, you know, 15, 16, 17. And that is that, that, you know what, you, w- whether you believe in a God or not, you were born for a purpose. You have value. You have giftings. You are loved. And and I feel like when those just sort of foundational things are deposited in, in kids' hearts, that it's, it's not like they walk through life. Then they don't have to walk through life just sort of saying no to everything like, oh, shoot, there's weed. No, okay, I can't do that. Oh, no, no, alcohol. Okay, can't do that. No, okay. But what it is is they have such a sense of purpose and identity in their life. Like, I am loved. I was created for something great that they have that as a goal in front of them. And so it's like a runner in a race you know, you have all the fans cheering, you have people doing all these things on the side that could be real distracting. But when you know that that finish line is right there and you are, you know, I am getting to that line, then then it's easier to sort of say no to all these distractions on the side. So I feel like more than, more than just talking about pot, though, that is, you know, I, I definitely want to kind of expose those lies. It's really more about knowing that, that you have value and purpose and identity, and you don't have to, to be pulled by these things because you were born for something so much greater. That's what I want you to know, impart.
0: I, I, you say you didn't sign up for this, but as you know, man plans, God laughs. And <laughs> the, I, I yeah. you're, you're good at this. You, you, you and your husband, there's a mission here. There's a, there's a vision here. There's passion and there's purpose. And I understand when you talk about, you know, the pain and and having that becoming a direction. And so my favorite sayings is that wound is the way, that pain is the path. That mess is the yeah. message.
1: Yeah. And
0: that's true. the I thank you. I you've put words to things that I think people really struggle to. And I do spend a lot of my time talking with experts and talking with people who have struggled are struggling or have survived the struggle, but we have forgotten the bystanders who have gone through the heaven and hell along with the people they love. And mm-hmm. it really, it really brings into my focus a desire to get out there and provide support for those people. So Aaron, yeah. thank you so much. I really oh, appreciate thank you.
1: Aaron. You being and listen, I just want to tell me. you too. Yeah. I want to tell you that, um, you know, I, there's such a compassion in your voice that I hear and I've shared your podcast with so many people and I just applaud you because, um, you are an unsung hero back there, you know, and, and I just, I think what you're doing is, is amazing. And, uh, you know, you talked about people throwing rocks at you out there. You know what? I'm right there with you. And, and, uh, (laughs) if, if it's helping people and if it's, speaking really the truth, you know, um, then keep going, keep on keeping on. That's what I say to you.
0: Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, parents, teachers, clinicians, the rules are you take care of yourself first. You take care of your adult relationship second, and you take care of your children third, because in that way we do our best work for the children. It's my thanks to Aaron Morar for this conversation on beyond risk and back and we will see you next week thank you for joining us for another episode of beyond risk and back join us each week for your connection to experts in adolescent health and wellness recovery and responsibility and also to listen to teens talk about their lives in crisis For more information on our program for struggling teens or me, please go to firemountainprograms.com. Join us on Facebook at Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center or at Beyond Risk and Back. Visit our YouTube channel at Fire Mountain RTC for even more support with our parent training videos special thanks to mental health news radio for their continued love and support of our program please go to mentalhealthnewsradio.com to see all of their podcasts feel free to email me at aaron at Programs.com.